I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Welcome back. The MLS playoffs kick off tomorrow night with the wild card matches in the East. It's going to be the New York Red Bulls hosting Charlotte FC. And in the West, Sporting Kansas City hosts the San Jose Earthquakes and the Jimmy Conrad Bowl. We're yes. very excited. Um, and we're also excited to fill out our bracket. This never goes well for me, but we're going to do it anyway. I'm very excited. How are you guys feeling? The MLS brackets are tough, man. It's crazy. The best year that I had, I think it was, um, it was the year that RSL went on that crazy run, and I had them actually like beating Seattle, and nobody had them. And my bracket was perfect up until like the semifinals. You think you need to have like an underdog like that in a yeah, bracket? Yeah, you kind of for MLS. Yes, it was like, and and my logic in doing that that particular bracket was like, I'm just going to go against complete logic, and it ended up being quite successful. So, 2013. I'm just saying, uh, Nico, you ready to kick us off here? Come on, Nico. Yeah, mine's not that fun. I wanted to have a couple I know of upsets on, on the way. So, I've got Sporting Kansas City to beat St. Louis. That's, uh, excuse me, Sporting Kansas City to beat the Earthquakes and go into that matchup against mm -hmm. St. Louis. And then what's pretty interesting on that side of the bracket, I've got St. Louis and Houston. And I felt like, okay, at one point, St. Louis is going to come across a situation where They've never been in before. Knock You've been saying football. that all season. I know, I know. But I want to back up what I said from the very beginning of the season, although I've been wildly impressed from St. Louis. I've also been wildly impressed from Houston, what Ben Olsen yeah. is doing. And they have fight, they have grit, they know what knockout stage football is like. So I've got them going all the way to the final. Vanny Sartini with, with, with the I Wildcats. I like this Vancouver upset. Yeah, so, so that was kind of like my... That's good. My wild I think that's dog a good one. That that's a good one. Can kind of That's two upsets over right? LAFC and over Seattle. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I like Vanny Sartini. Something about, you know, Vancouver got them going all the way to the conference final. Then on the other side, since you all the way through, mm -hmm. I like Philadelphia to beat the Revs um, because Revs is a hot potato at the moment. Mm -hmm. I like the crew. I like Orlando. Yep. Um, anybody I like this really hell is real derby in the, in the semis. Yeah, that would that, be that's amazing. That's a good one. And then Cincy to take it all. I, I'm Cincy. I have I no arguments to take the title away from Cincy at the moment. I'm I'm with you, Jimmy. In, in Pat Noonan, we trust. Apparently. In Pat Noonan, we trust. Yeah. Okay. Well, I didn't go that direction. It's my turn for a little bracket talk. Mix it up. So I'm going to start with uh, the the playing game, the wild card game, the Jimmy Conrad Derby, Conradino Clasico, whatever we want to call it. I'm going with Sporting Kansas City. My name is up in the stadium there. I got to roll with them over my <laughs> Quakes. And then I think over a three-game series, you have Sporting versus 
St. Louis, that is the big rivalry for Missouri. I like Kansas City to figure out a way to make it happen. Wow. Then they're going to take on Houston. I agree with what you said. Really impressed with how they performed ever since they've won the Open Cup and even leading up to it in that competition. And Ben Olsen, I trust, as you're going to see throughout this. Uh, I got LAFC getting past Vancouver. I have a ton of faith in Steve Chirundolo. I think he's got so much talent at his disposal. I think they know how to hit a switch and play at an even higher level, and they've proven that already. So I'd like LFC to get past Vancouver. Seattle doing what they do here in the end of the season. I think they'll actually get past LAFC because that's what they do. They, they find ways to win games. Nicholas Ladero came out and said he's last season with the Sounders, so I think they're going to rally for him. Houston, Seattle. Houston gets to the final. They're going to take on Cincinnati. I agree with almost all of your picks. I think Charlotte get through the play-in play game. Nice. Over the Red Bulls, uh, Cincy Philly is going to be a great matchup there. Columbus, Orlando. I really love the East, but I think it's going to play out very similar. I just have Houston beating Cincinnati in wow. the final. Wow. I think that Ben Olsen and Pat Onstad and everyone else, Asher Mendelson and everybody there, all the players have been fantastic. I just feel like they know who they are and what they're about, and I think they have the best identity of any team in MLS right now. And it's not how you start an MLS, it's how you finish, and I think the Dynamo are in great form. Not bad. I think Houston are one of those teams that will surprise you because they're really good defensively. But I got a not bad Alexis from Alexis Guerrero. Not, not bad because he's just going in a completely <laughs> different direction. Is what I'm going to do to yours. I got a not bad. Yeah, not bad. Uh, thank you for trying, Jimmy. But here's what's really going to happen. Uh, I pretty much got almost all home teams winning except for oh, wow. Orlando in the second round. Okay. So, uh, look, it doesn't matter who comes out of the East or the West. Uh, you're losing in that first round as far as the, the playing game. Uh, so it could be – probably will be Charlotte, so there's another away team. And I'll say San Jose. Mm -hmm. What the hey? Who cares? Because San Who Jose, cares? you're going to lose to St. Louis. St. Louis has put it together in a way that I did not expect. So I believe Houston will get past RSL, but St. Louis is going to take them out. And then I think St. Louis is going to take on wow. LAFC, which is very easily. And to me, St. Louis is going to win. Coming out of the East – Look, we've got a lot of uh, a lot of great teams. Philly, I think, can get to a team again, a game against Cincinnati, but I think Cincinnati beats them. And then when they meet Orlando, because I think Orlando will be Columbus after beating Nashville, I think they're just going to run into too much with Cincinnati. Dang. It's going to be St. Louis versus Cincinnati, Don Garber's worst nightmare for an <laughs> MLS Cup final. And I think St. Louis takes it all. Wow. Egg foo, young St. Paul sandwiches for me and all my homies. Wow, let's go. Wait, does that say Purina on your? <laughs> no. I, just I didn't know if you were wearing a Cincinnati no, jersey I did with get a sponsor. Just a loose fantasy, by the way, who said, who found out through, uh, you know, Susanna mentioning it every episode, once every hour, that I hate dogs, which I do not hate dogs. Thank you very much. Uh, he's like, you should come and sit in the Purina suite for a game. And I haven't been. So maybe if the MLS Cup final is in St. Louis, maybe I will go and I will sit. Do you, but Stadium the one that awesome. you have, it does. It's, it wouldn't be in. Oh, yeah, that's yeah. right. Cincinnati, right? But wait, wait. No, yeah, I have it as listed as St. Louis. But why there. do you hate dogs? I don't hate dogs. Oh, I just. I'm pretty sure he does. He doesn't. He doesn't love dogs. I hate responsibility. Let's be clear. Let's be clear. Let's be clear. I like um, your dog as long as okay. it's not my dog. I still have a bracket. So far, we all have Dallas out yep. in the first round, Nashville yep. out, and Atlanta out, yep. and the Revs out. Yep. All of us. Yep. And, and that, is, and that trend too. will continue when you look at Susanna's <laughs> wow. bracket. Really, wow. we're really original. I want to see this. Liverpool wins uh, in hers. <laughs> Liverpool, your MLS Cup champions in 2023. It's amazing. Um, yeah, no, basically, I, I really kind Ooh. of played logic here. I think the only... Did you copy mine? Kind of. We're a pretty little bit, except I, have, except I have Cincinnati winning uh, the whole thing. For me, 
Cincinnati is just I can't it's hard to find a weakness on that team. They are they are well coached. They have uh, an incredible attack. Their their back line is finally shored up and put together. And so I think over the course of uh, what is going to be a very long drawn out MLS Cup playoffs. I trust them, and I trust Pat Noonan. So that is why I'm going FC Cincinnati as your 2023 Audi MLS Cup champions. Um, I do have SKC winning in the wild card, and I picked the Red Bulls winning in their their at home. MLS guru right here. Yeah. So we'll see. I don't know. We'll we'll. It's you just don't know. You just don't know. As you usual, just don't know. if you pick it, they win unless you've put a wager on it. <laughs> That's how it works with MLS and Super. I don't think I can ever bet on no, MLS. No. I would again. just stay away. I, honestly, honestly, but it worked. Like, and then Jimmy does it, it and he like <laughs> nails it, makes it look so easy. Ah, it's very what frustrating. I, I know this guy. <laughs> wow, wow. All right, uh, we're going to take a break. Luis Garcia is joining us. When we come back, you don't want to go anywhere. Okay, picture this: it's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome back. Several Spanish teams will be in action this week as Champions League group stage continues. Here's a look at the fixtures of Note Sevilla take on Arsenal today. Braga versus Real Madrid. Benfica versus Real Sociedad. And then tomorrow Barcelona will take on Shakhtar Donetsk. And Atletico Madrid will face Celtic. And right now uh, we are very excited to bring in a guy well versed in Spanish football and Champions League. The one and only Luis Garcia. Luis, great to see you. How are you doing today? Hey guys, good morning to you all. Um, yeah, looking forward to talk a little bit about uh, our Spanish Armada. We got a few teams, and definitely we need a lot to do yet because uh, some of them they are struggling to to go through. Yeah, we're um, I, let's let's talk about the youth movement at, at Barcelona because there was a really cool moment over the weekend. Uh, Mark Jew scored his first goal 23 seconds into his debut and we saw the incredible video of his mom just absolutely losing her mind when you see a moment like that lucho what kind of what's your reaction uh knowing how special that is for the player it is it is very special and you know when when you are from barcelona when you've been through a few of the of the academy teams under 15 under 17 under 19 your dream is always to, to try to make your debut. And when that's arrived, the only thing that is in your mind is to, let's try to do well. Let's try to um, use this opportunity to enjoy it and to do our best because you know that in, in, next to you there is a manager who actually trusts in you. But definitely that's the, the, uh, uh, the perfect debut. To have the chance right after you've been involved, it's something amazing and well uh, we all enjoy seeing the families but uh, much more chubby when you give the opportunity to a, a player to to show what he's capable of uh, what you want is that aport something add something to the team but of course uh, that goal that meant uh, the the three points for barcelona was uh, the, the perfect debut for, for the kid, but also for Xavi and the club. So as you mentioned that it's a movement, Xavi's really been going to La Masia mm -hmm. and kind of bring back that DNA of the club. And I go back to the Guardiola days, Lucho, where Barcelona was able to bring out an incredible class out of La Masia and they became 
world-class players. But as of recently, I'm looking at the graduates of La Masia in an Ansu Fati, in a Lamin Yamal, in a Ferran Jutgla, in a Mark Gyu just right now. We keep on seeing names like Ricky Puj, for example, yeah. he ended up in, in MLS. I keep on seeing a bunch of names, but is there anybody that you really think, Lucho, has that world-class potential? Well, it's difficult to, to, to talk about it when they are so young because you, we forget that this this uh, place that we are talking, they are from 16, 17 to 21, 22, that it was that started exactly the same way. I think that the, the, the most important thing on them is that they got a manager that is convinced that they can be important. And generation of players, they've been so many during the, the times for Barcelona, the philosophy of, of Johan Cruyff that he was approached to the club and the way that they've been living with, a philosophy of excellency when they are on the field. Sometimes you go two, sometimes you go three, sometimes they are forced to be into the first 11 and, and play for Barcelona. But uh, when you see, and you were talking about Pep Guardiola, is when you have a manager that is convinced about what he's got, is when you start uh, seeing players uh, being dominant. Now you go Pedri, you go Gabi, you go uh, Lamin Jamal, you got Balde, and you go Fermin, and you got the recently Mark Gu. All of them have chances. For me, right now, I think that Pedri is the one that we all were thinking. He's struggling with injuries, and that's something that actually concerns a little bit the club, and I'm sure the manager. But he's one of those players who you know that when he's on the field, everything changes. The rest of the team looks different. And to become a, a, such an important key player for Barcelona at such a short age, I think he's, he's, he's looking to become what it is, uh, one of the best players that we are going to see in the coming 10 years for Barcelona. Let's go from Barcelona across the country to Real Madrid. Another young player didn't get his start in uh, in uh, Spain, but playing absolutely incredible in Jude Bellingham. What should we expect as the season goes through? Can he keep this hot form? They're about to play Braga, which feels like it might be some easy competition for him. Maybe pad some stats. Yeah, definitely. But uh, listen, um, it, it surprised us all. I think we were expecting uh, to, to do well for Real Madrid. I think the ones that we've been follow. Uh, Bellingham at, at Dortmund, you know that that physical condition that he's got, it was going to be uh, important for Real Madrid. Uh, they don't have a leader anymore at the, at the up front. We know that Vinicius Junior and Rodrigo, they are doing well, but that partnership is not working. Vinicius Junior is not a top scorer. He's more a player who can create from, from nothing. But definitely what the Jules Bellingham is doing is incredible. Um, in the early on the season, I predict, or I tried to predict that he was going to be uh, uh, the player of the season but never thought that he will be such an important role for, for Real Madrid being a leader up front, a player who brings character into the midfield and also the top scorer of the team. So, yeah, here in Spain, we are all very surprised how he adapted to a jersey such as big as Real Madrid, but definitely enjoy him because when he's on the field, you can see that he's got a little bit of that England side with a strong box-to-box -box player and also the capacity that he has learned to adapt uh, when he went to England uh, to to Germany, so he put all that together and he's showing it for Real Madrid. So very incredible what he's doing, and uh, for Real Madrid it's just fantastic to have a player who can do that, bring the ball from the back, going straight to the front and scoring goals. That definition, that end product that he's providing is something so, uh, uh, something that no one would expect in at Real Madrid. Lucho, great to see you, old friend. I got a question also with regard to Madrid. 
What's going on with Rodrigo? Obviously, with Benzema now gone to Saudi Arabia, it's wide open for Rodrigo to step up and take on some more responsibility. Only one goal so far this season. Maybe he's pressing, knowing that those expectations are there. Obviously, he's got the talent. We've seen it in previous seasons in big games, Champions League semifinals. I still remember the game uh, where he scored off of Modric's unbelievable pass. I mean, he just has a knack for being clutch. But we haven't really seen evidence of that this season. What has to change for him? Yeah, it's so very true. Uh, I think that we were expecting that this year it was Rodrigo's year. Uh, after what we saw last year, we thought right now he's ready. He's ready to get the, the main role right up front as a center forward or as a second striker, as uh, Ancelotti is trying to deal with. But I think that that pressure is not suiting him. He's a player who is very shy, he's quiet, he's on his own. As you can see, when he's on the ball, he's so dangerous. He's always a threat. But having the responsibility that you have to deliver goals, I think that is something that is not enjoying as much. Uh, before it was uh, Karim Benzema, it was Vinicius, so he was on the shade of that and he was doing a great job. Now he's got the main character and I think that he's not enjoyed. Maybe he's going to need a little bit more of freedom. Maybe he's going to need a little bit of changing the, the, the system around him because working with uh, uh, Vinicius Junior uh, next to him is not the perfect uh, scenario for him, I guess. With Benzema, the linking with them, the combination, you can see that he was enjoying a little bit more. And now he has to change uh, that uh, on his play. So uh, I think he's struggling a little bit right now, but not only because of his play. It's because also what he's producing around him. Bellingham is a player who enjoyed, enjoys playing with Rodrigo because he leaves a lot of space in the middle. But maybe having a center forward who can kind of put together the center back and Rodrigo playing as a, as a, um, as a free roll around him, as a, as a satellite around him, I think it suits him a little bit best. So let's see how it goes the, the rest of the season. But definitely at the moment, no, he's, 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 he's not giving what Ancelotti is expecting from him. Yeah, if Rodrigo gets going, uh, Madrid could be unplayable moving forward. But let's talk about the other team in Madrid, Atletico. What's going on? They've scored 16 goals in the last six, six games. That's very anti-Diego Simeone. Antoine Griezmann now has seven goals in La Liga, one behind Jude Bellingham. They have 23 goals in the league. That's more than Real Madrid and Barcelona. It really defies logic what's happening here with Atleti. But Griezmann in particular, obviously a hat-trick this past weekend against Celta. What's going on with Diego Simeone's team? This is uh, very unlike them. Yeah, it's totally true. But uh, if you see and follow the, the, the team, Jimmy, you can see that it's still not uh, excellency. It's still not the, the, the football that we all enjoy. Still, Simeone's style is very tight. Sometimes they suffer so much. I can tell Diego, they shouldn't even force themselves to, 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 to wait because even with one man... Uh, more. Celta Vigo was creating so many chances. He was under threat for the first 45 minutes. Even he's been dominated. So you you can understand that uh, Atletico in Madrid is struggling at some points, but getting the results. But the key question is that is he capable of doing it for the rest of the season? And the answer is if Griezmann is happy and he's enjoying, that's okay for Atletico in Madrid. He's having so much fun. He's enjoying his play. He knows the responsibility and he's ready to continue working, tracking back. But when he's fresh and he's uh, rested up front, it's unbelievable. He knows exactly what he has to do. His football intelligence is magnificent. He's doing a great partnership with uh, uh, Morata because Morata takes a lot of work from him. So he doesn't have to make so many runs. So he's in the right places at the right time. So while he's ready to deliver for Atletico Madrid, this Atletico Madrid is going to be challenging for everything. Because for me, uh, I, uh, Antoine Griezmann is the key player around the, the, the circle of, of the, of the uh, forward. So 
Yep. If Isabi is enjoying this Atletico Madrid, will be challenging Barcelona and Real Madrid uh, for the trophy. All right, Lucho, quickly before we go, I know we're talking Spain right now, but I want to ask about Liverpool, a team near and dear to both of our hearts. They take on Toulouse in Europa League on Thursday. Are they going to make it three wins in three matches? What do you think? I think they are on a, on a cruise control right now. You can see that the team is getting ready, uh, even with the, some of the injuries that they had up front. They are such a big threat. They got so many options. They had so many different ways of attacking uh, the other team. It's true that sometimes they, they look vulnerable at the back because that punishing in the middle is still not working. They have been changing with Mati, with Konate, with many changes. But I think that if they manage to, to stay together there at the back and look a little bit more solid, this is a team that they should be should have no problem to go through to the next uh, knockout stages and of course far away of the competition uh, this is a team that should be on the Europa League final for for May that's what I like to hear <laughs> Luis Garcia <laughs> that's all she wants that's all she wants yes, it I is appreciate it really your time is. Uh, thank you so much for taking the time to join us this morning always great to see you cheers guys have a good one all right, we are going to take another break on Morning Footy. When we come back, we are chatting some Americans abroad and their performances over the weekend. That's coming up next. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Welcome back. We're checking in on some Americans abroad. Here's a look at a few notable performances from over the weekend. Alejandro Zendejas, he uh, scored in a 4-3 win over Santos Laguna. Matt Turner, two saves and forced 2-2 draw against Luton Town. Lindsey Horan scored a goal in Lyon's 5-1 defeat over Rim. Austin Trusty, three clearances and three interceptions versus United. And Tim Ream, three blocks, six recoveries against Tottenham. So let's chat a little Matt Turner. Shall we? Our starting, our starting yes. goalkeeper for the U.S. men's national team. And he is finally in a starting position in the Premier League where he is getting regular minutes. Let's take a look at some of his stats from the season so far. This is what it looks like. And I, when I'm looking at these, these numbers, it, nothing is, is tremendous. Nothing, you know, stands out. Uh, two, two clean sheets, um, a 70% state save percentage. But... How much of that is a reflection of the team that he's playing on? And how do you kind of balance that with just the value, Jimmy, of, of getting regular minutes in the Premier League? Yeah, getting regular minutes is huge. He's 29 years old, so it's hard to 
have the conversation about learning how to become a starter. I, I think he's done that. He has that MLS experience to lean on. Goalkeepers do have a longer life of course, lifespan. Of course, yeah. I mean, he could play probably well into his late 30s. I meant shelf life. Lifespan sounded. That's fair. Shelf life. Sorry, but I think the demands of being in the Premier League and dealing with that type of pressure is going to be different than what he was exposed to in MLS and having to perform at a high level. He dealt with it at Arsenal when he got his opportunities, didn't end up being selected as the guy and found a place where he is the guy. What's interesting when I think about Forrest is they've only scored 10 goals. And that's not great. That puts a lot of pressure on not only him to be perfect, but also the back line. Mm -hmm. And he's got Mario, he's got Bowley in front of him. He's got some experienced defenders that he can lean on to make plays. But just overall, if Forrest can't score some goals and allow the defense and him, Matt Turner, to relax every once in a while, they're always constantly going to be under a ton of pressure. That's going to make him better, but you'd like to find a little bit of balance so that he's just not getting crushed every single game with shots and just being under constant threat. There's a dichotomy between what's going on at Nottingham Forest and what they want Matt Turner to do on the U.S. men's national team. Mm -hmm. On Nottingham Forest, we're going to see him excel and probably sharpen his best quality at shot-stopping. The reason why... It has to be. Right? <laughs> yeah. right? They've got no other choice. They've got no, no other choice. No, 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 There's but, nothing uh, else. Uh, unless they the, put plexiglass go, on. Going back to the conversation <laughs> that we had yesterday is that we want to see goalkeepers nowadays be able to play with their feet. And Matt Turner, for starting to play soccer in high school, is pretty decent with his feet, but not at that elite level that maybe Berhalter wants him to be, right? So... I don't know how many times out of the back he's going to be playing with Nottingham Forest, have those reps, in-game reps, high press, to find your way out of the back. Nottingham Forest isn't specifically a club that's going to be building every single time out of the back, especially through your goalkeeper. So that's the crux of the issue for me is that We've got a goalkeeper whose best attributes by far, shot-stopping. He, he is an excellent shot-stopping goalkeeper. But then you bring him to the national team, and you expect him to do something that he's not used to doing. And I think that's, that's where, at one point, I want to see Berhalter adjust. Okay. I, look, I'll start by saying I agree with almost everything you said other than Berhalter needing to adjust. That's Matt, Tur Matt Turner's job is to come to camp prepared to play the way that Burr is asking you. It's not specifically to say Burr is saying we need to change everything because this isn't what you're doing at your club level. Or maybe it's to start a different goalkeeper, which I don't think you should do. But what I will say is there's something, there's something amiss about, uh, about him being at uh, Nottingham Forest. Yes, he's going to be you know, facing a lot of shots towards his goal. He doesn't have the back line he had when he was playing at Arsenal, but he also wasn't getting the, the game time at Arsenal. So where, what, is the, what is the point of diminishing returns if you're not going to be in a European competition, if you're not going to be you know, sort of challenged at the absolute highest levels week in and week out, which we know he is because he's in the Premier League, but not getting those European minutes – that is he may be at the wrong place. It's good to get starting minutes. I think this was the right move for him coming out of Arsenal. But is he at the right place? Is it by 2026, do we not need to see him at a place where he will be being asked to play Who are the, the other back? keepers, though, that are getting regular minutes right now that are in the mix for the U.S.? You think about it. Like, we saw Drake Calendar with, with Inter Miami. Um, literally, literally the, in, in the pecking Gaga order, Slonina? not getting no, minutes. not getting minutes. Horvath, not, not getting minutes, minutes, obviously. Gaga Slonina is that, is that, is that, really is that a concern? It is an interesting concern because usually we have about 18 goalkeepers right. to choose from. Uh, and right now we have one. I think what's interesting about your point, Alexis, 
with regard to the national team in Burhalter, I think it's funny for a national team coach to ask, or any coach, to ask a player to be something that they're not. Mm-hmm. And, and if that's not the right style of goalkeeper for you, then you have to go find a, a goalkeeper that has the I feet agree. to go do that. And, uh, and Zach Steffen, for example, is a better distributor of the ball than, than Matt Turner. But Zach Steffen, at this point, is out of the picture. We saw it against For Germany. Now. If, you, if, you want to, if you want to play against top opposition and, and compete, when they're going to press you high like against Germany, you need to be perfect out of the back. Or, or you don't even try to create your own mistakes there in front of the go. back line. There you, you, go. you have to figure out and develop a system where you can drop it into, but then you have bypass to the lines and then drop it to point. the number nine to hold up the ball and then you can play from there. Or, yeah. or if you're going to, if your wings are going to We could talk about this for hours. If your wings, <laughs> if your wings are going to be deep, you can go past the, the press and to them, but you have to be pinpoint because there's no room for That's mistake. That's probably easier su- success than I agree. out of the back when you've got Leroy Zane and Muziala pressing you up top and Fulkrug pressing you up top and you have, that is Little that is you're, essentially you're asking no for trouble. For you're asking exactly. for trouble. Jimmy, you trouble. seem triggered right I now. I am, I am. Let's go to break. <laughs> what are you, he wants to hoof it forward. 1955. No, 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 no. This guy wants to go rule one. That's the Calm problem. Him down. No, Calm him down. Black and white. I, I want to play to the strengths of my players. I, I agree. And, and not, playing out of the, if you remove if you remove him from the from the uh, from the from the equation, that is playing to the strengths of your other ten. Or or if he can quickly you, get the ball you, to Tim Ream, to get the ball to Tim Ream, then he can solve a lot of problems. All right, all right. Anyway, we're gonna take a breather. Tim Ream's too old. Calm down, <laughs> calm down, Jimmy Conrad. I say that he'll be I playing got steam until he's forty-five. Uh, <laughs> Anita Jones is going to join us next. We are gonna chat uh, that Arsenal Sevilla Champions League match. Don't go anywhere. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Sevilla feel starting to resemble their best selves again. A looping header has beaten him, and Sevilla leads. A Campos it was with the flick. An explosive finish from Nemanja Gudel. And how about that for a finish? It's Sevilla. Well, it may be London Fashion Week, but it's Arsenal that are going to be trending tonight. This is now Jesus for Arsenal, and that's one down. And Arsenal take the lead. Clinical and effective for the Gunners. Welcome back to Morning Footy. Champions League group stage resumes today. Here's a look at the fixtures on the docket at 12.45 p.m. Eastern. Galatasaray taking on Bayern Ooh. Munich, followed up by Inter Salzburg. We also have Manchester United, Copenhagen, Sevilla. Arsenal, I know we're all excited about that one, and that Union Berlin-Napoli match. You can watch that on CBS Sports Network. Our coverage begins at 2 p.m. Uh, but right now, let's bring in the one and only Anita Jones. She is in Spain for that Sevilla-Arsenal match. Anita, look at you rocking the Yankees hat. Hi. It's like it's like you're, you should be right here in studio I with us. I feel like us. we should be on the sixth train, J-Lo. <laughs> let's go. I feel like we need to talk to, you know, our good producer, Mike Nastri, if he's watching. You know, get me in the studio. Yeah. Like, soon. Um, 
But yeah, I'm, I'm representing for CBS over here in Sevilla, the south of Spain. Literally, I can't show you, unfortunately, but to the left of my hotel is the stadium. Um, so I'm really excited. I've not got far to walk later. Um, okay, so let's chat about uh, the Sevilla Arsenal game that you are going to be to be covering. Um, Arsenal coming off that draw against Chelsea where they required those two late goals. How do you think they're going to be feeling heading into this one? Where's their confidence level at right now? I guess it's quite an interesting one because Declan Rice, who um, obviously was one of the goal scorers, everyone was saying, spend it like Declan. He <laughs> got that goal from 60 yards out. Um, came out after and was really honest. He gave an honest assessment saying that that was probably their worst performance in terms of the first 45 minutes all season. So the fact that they were able to come from 2-0 down and still get a draw, I think should give them some level of confidence. Um, what's really interesting is at this early stage of the group stage games in the Champions League, we're talking about must-win games. Having lost against Law in the um, last... Um, uh, Champions League game, they are now going to have to win. But Sevilla also needs to win too. So it's really going to be a tasty fixture. But confidence-wise, I'd hope that they can take something from coming back against uh, Chelsea that really gave them a tough test at the weekend. Uh, Anita, first of all, hoop earrings, Yankee cap. I feel like me and you should be going to get a chopped cheese. Uh, yeah, you got Tim's right now? A chopped cheese? What's a chopped cheese? Ay, Dios mio, we got to talk. Nico, you're helpless in that. <laughs> <laughs> Anita, I'm going to slide past Nico not understanding what one of the greatest sandwiches in the world is. And I want to talk to you about this form that Arsenal's in. They did have that massive loss, but it seems like the injuries have started to slide away. Other than Yuri and Timber, we seem to be healthy, but we're not in the perfect form. And the other thing I want to ask you about is some of the substitutions that Mikel Arteta has made. This was one of the allegations against him in the past seasons was he made substitutions late or they weren't the right. Seems to be on point every time he makes it this season. Talk to me about where the team is mentally heading into this. And do you think that they're in a different, even though they played badly, do you think they're in a, a bit more unified than they've been in the past? First of all, Alexis, I just wanted to pick up on how you said we there. You know, if anyone didn't know, Alexis and myself, big Arsenal fans <laughs> in the building. Um, so, yeah, it, it goes deep for us. In terms of um, Mikel Arteta and substitution, that's a touchy subject, my friend, because if we talk about substitution, should we not be talking about his goalkeeper decision? Because that's um, really an area that he's come under a lot of scrutiny for uh, at the earlier stages of this season. He came out and said that he wished he'd made a goalkeeping substitution. We weren't sure exactly when he meant that, um, but the suggestion was there was a game for Aaron Ramsdale in which he felt he um, probably could have been changed. Going off the back of that rationale, given what we've seen with David Raya, who's come in since the previous international break, Maybe there should be a substitution there. I doubt it. It does look like Raya is his number one. But, um, yeah, I think that definitely goes to the substitution point you're making. In terms of the outfield players, incredible stuff. We saw at the weekend Havertz and Takahiro Tomiyasu coming on, and um, they played a role in particular, Tomiyasu, in one of those goals. So he, he's done well. But maybe those should be the starting players, especially when you consider what's on the line for this game. So there is squad depth there, as you, you point to, in the fact that we haven't got as many, um, I say we, we haven't got as many injuries. But yeah, I just wonder if the starting 11 could be better. But then having said that, one of the big, I guess, criticisms of Arsenal last season is that they didn't have enough players to get them through the length of the season. So he's got to try different formations to see what works and hopefully 
have them within, I guess, first and second position for the remainder of the season. So, Anita, let's talk a little bit about match day three overall because whoever you play in match day three, you actually play the reverse fixture in match day four. So they're going to have back-to-back games against Sevilla. How important is it then for Arsenal to find that right lineup, to find that right formation against a Sevilla team that's coming off a 1-1 draw against Madrid, going to have that new manager bounce. They have a former MLS coach taking over now and Diego Alonso, who once managed Inter-Miami. They looked okay. They looked very good, I think, for a good portion of that game against Madrid. And obviously, they are tremendous in Europe. Maybe not the Champions League and the Europa League, but still pretty good in this competition overall. How do you think Arteta is going to approach it, knowing that in match day four, they have them at the Emirates? And I, and I say this because Arsenal are on three points, Sevilla are on two. So this feels like a must-win game for both if they really want to get into the round of 16. Definitely, and that's really been the messaging from both managers. Diego Alonso, as you mentioned, a former MLS coach. More recently, he was the Uruguay um, national team coach at the World Cup. He said that. They've all been saying that. To keep alive, um, as they say out here in Spain, in this competition, or their hopes alive, they do need to win. But so do Arsenal, especially having lost that game against the French side law in the previous match day. In terms of how they set up, What's really interesting is you mentioned new manager bounce. It's always a shaky one when you come against a team who are trying to prove something to their new manager as to why they should be in the starting 11. You've seen Sergio Ramos, one of the big names going into this game, come back to the club where he essentially became the player he was before joining Real Madrid. He had a great game at the weekend. In fact, we saw some of his antics, you know, getting up in Rudiger's <laughs> face, his old teammate pulling his face, and then he didn't let... Um, do Bellingham do what he normally does? So I think Mikel Arteta will really have to condition, especially his younger players, to deal with that because um, they're playing against a team that's in front of their home crowd. They're going to want to see them really play to the crowd. And so I think those are going to be key, those key battles, especially the mental battles. And then um, up front, I mean, in the game against Chelsea, there was just something that was lacking there. And I guess if Diego Alonso does his homework, right, he would have seen that Arsenal found it really hard to penetrate through the mid- midfield and the only way they had options were on the wings. So if they do their homework, right, I guess that's where they'll try and stop Arsenal and maybe also at the wings. It'll be interesting to see, like I said. Um, I think from the game at the weekend as well, we spoke about substitutions a moment ago. I would probably start with Tommy Astu instead of Zinchenko. At left back, Tommy is really starting to prove himself and hopefully uh, Partey should be fine and he should start in, in, instead of Jorginho in that um, midfield with Declan Wright. But the rest of the players, um, I think they were good decisions. Anita, the best thing about being on the road for Champions League with CBS is the food. The, the preview to the match day. And I know you spent some time <laughs> in Spain, so I, I know you know Spanish <laughs> gastronomy. What's for lunch? So interesting, you mentioned that, Nico. Um, ah, then what you have? Oh, she's pulling. Then I should have sent you a chopped cheese. Let me see if you guys can see the picture. One second. Um, I don't know. Can you see it well enough? It was like a sirloin steak with some fries. I'm sorry, it's not that Ooh, great quality. Is that patata brava on top of a steak? <laughs> No, it wasn't brava. It was just patatas fritas. But um, in Sevilla, they eat really well and it's cheap. Like my meal, including water and Coca-Cola was, what, like 10 euros. And that was wow. literally just in front of the stadium here. I asked my taxi driver, um, where can I go that 
I guess all the they call them giddies. Um, the um, tourists won't be at, and he was like, "This place that I ran there before coming to see you guys." Oh, very <laughs> nice. Good decision. Nice. Uh, Anita, always <laughs> great to catch up with you. Hey, enjoy Sevilla and enjoy the match. Thank you so much. I'm really excited. Should be. All <laughs> see right. You guys. Um, we are going to take a break. We're going to chat some Inter-Miami. Ooh. Yeah. They're out of the playoffs, but um, they are still a, a hot topic of conversation in Major League Soccer. We're diving into their next season's outlook after a quick timeout. Welcome back. Well, the MLS playoffs kick off tomorrow. Sadly for Inter-Miami, they won't be playing postseason soccer. Uh, but no doubt they were. The story of the season with the arrival of the likes of Lionel Messi, Sergio Busquets, Jordi Alba, and of course Tata Martino this summer. They won the League's Cup this summer, um, and they improved to 14-4-6 and six after replacing Phil Neville as head coach. So it was quite the turnaround for Inter-Miami, who were sitting dead last in the standings at the time of the arrival of, of all of these guys. And so while we um, were, we're sad to not see them in, in the playoffs, because I think that would have been incredibly interesting to watch, uh, let's chat about the outlook for next season, Nico, because they have spent a lot of money. They have invested a lot in these players. How are you feeling? I know you're a, a, an Inter-Miami fan and a Messi fan. How are you feeling about their prospects next year? Is it? MLS Cup or nothing for them? Yeah, I want to see Inter-Miami do well in Major League Soccer because now they have the tools to succeed, whereas the first couple of seasons, up until Messi showed up, they were underwhelming in how the club delivered. We were promised, the city of Miami was promised, and MLS in general was promised uh, to be one of the hottest clubs in Miami in the league and suddenly they've become that with, with the Messi signing and when you have Messi the expectation is to be one of the favorites so you have to get to playoffs and there's a couple of parts that you need to tweak I don't know if the team's going to look much more different because mm -hmm. they had a very strong transfer window Fagundo Farias is great, other than obviously the, the three former Barcelona players that have changed the complexion yeah, of this yeah. team. Oh, Inter Miami suddenly has the tools to compete. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> yeah. Hey, yeah. Yeah. yeah, I don't know, the greatest of hey. all time just floated Fa down. Fagundo Farias has been great for, for Inter Miami. And, and Diego Gomez, I want to see more of him. And all the additions have helped the likes of Benjamin Cremashi start getting looks with the youth national team and really improve his game. Potentially Argentina. Mm. Potentially. Potentially. Very potentially. I, I mm. think he's got a better shot with the U.S. than with Argentina. A little disrespectful. Um, to who? <laughs> Just a little. To the U.S., but go ahead. Um, then, here's the thing. Joseph is leaving, right? I think that, that's the big conversation with all the rumors of Luis Suarez. So Tata has said that Joseph is... Right. Not in the plans. Didn't right. they say like he shouldn't even travel to the game in Charlotte because it would be a waste of his time? Ooh. Something like that. It was a, I'm paraphrasing. It's tough. But also, look, Joseph Martinez has seven goals in the season. Leo Campana has had a much better season than him, right? Yeah. Nine, nine yeah. goals, though. It's not that yeah. much more. And nine goals. The How many penalties, though, did Joseph take? It's a good point. I, I think you take a lot of money off of your, your salary if you're taking Joseph Martinez away. Well, when I think about 2024 for the Herons and not the Flamingos. Definitely not the Mingos. <laughs> will the salary cap rules change now in this offseason that will allow Inter-Miami to have some more flexibility? I believe that their probation that they were under due to their... 
Their own financial fair play rules were broken by Inter-Miami before, is now gone, so that gives them some more flexibility. Sporting director Chris Henderson's got a little bit more room to get more players. It's talked Luis Suarez might be coming in, so you're kind of getting rid of damaged goods with Joseph Martinez to bring in a six years older than a 36-year-old Luis Suarez. With an, with, with an injury history. With, with, a bad yes, knee. with more damaged goods. <laughs> with no but he's, he's best friends with Leo Messi, and if Leo Messi's happy, Leo Messi plays at a different level. Okay, so level. what does this Inter-Miami team look like with a Luis Suarez? Well, they better. Is it be- no? But that's the question. Is it is it an improvement? Yeah, I do. I, I think agree. so. I think he will. Yes. Yeah. He's lethal in front of, in and around the box. And still, he's been doing well for Gremio as of recently. He's he's. Been, I think you can call his time at Gremio success. We know that he's he's gone. He even stated it himself. The club knows it that he's done. And I think you can equate. You can talk about Major League Soccer and the Brasileiro in the same conversation. So it's not like he's. I don't think he'll be a flop. And I think when he's got his friends around him, they'll be able to succeed. There's two things I think come going for Inter-Miami. One is rest. Yeah. You're going to have a really long offseason. This, this amount of time is a lot longer than Jordi Alba and Messi and Busquets have had, ever, had. ever had. So they're going to have a little bit of a break. Plus, they know going into the season who they're working around. Whereas if you look at previous Inter-Miami teams, like, well, who, who are we actually building around? And now you know what your core is going to be. Now you only have them for, what, another year and a half, two years. But at least you can walk into the season knowing what the plan is. And I don't think you could say How that. You, so, so my question with the, the Suarez signing is, you know, I, I think that one of the shocks for these guys that come over is, is the, the amount of travel and sort of the grind that is the, the MLS regular season. Luis Suarez is 36 years old. We mentioned the, the knee issues that he's had. Hmm. How concerned are you about his durability? He drinks mate. He's going to be fine. <laughs> yeah. He needs to pour some on his knee. I think <laughs> also Brazil's a, is a big country yeah. to travel into the Brasileiro. Imagine that word, pouring it on your knee. Uh, I <laughs> just put dunking. I think at the end of the day, Luis Suarez is 36. It's great to have him, but you're going to need someone to back him up. Is Leo Campana that guy to maybe change the pace? Mm-hmm. Not, a, not a complete change of pace, but it would be I think he provides a nice backup. I think the one point of worry for them is their back line. Who is Kamal Miller? Because we've seen two different Kamal Millers this season. We've seen the one that started and the one that showed up all of a sudden when Messi was here. It's been two different. Can they get consistency across that back line? Because at some point, you're going to have to stop other teams from scoring. You can't just score more than them. Yeah, If it's going to be Toto Aviles and Kamal Miller, they need to be at their best. Mm-hmm. And there were moments where Toto Anviles, considering that they brought him in from Argentina as one of the star young signings, I don't think he's been up to that standard. And Kamal Miller started off how he started. Was great when Messi arrived for the first I mean, they, they won a championship mm-hmm. and, and credit to him in the League's Cup was phenomenal. And then I think there was a little bit of a drop-off. Mm-hmm. So that back line as well needs Do to be very robust. Do you expect them to be playing in an MLS Cup final next year? I ex- it's messy. I expect yes. Inter Miami to be in an MLS Cup and final. And CONCACAF Champions Cup. They've got to play that next season, too. I think if you win one of the two, imagine Inter Miami can win CONCACAF Champions Cup, and then you're in the Club World Cup. Messi's back in the Club mm-hmm. World Cup with Inter Miami. I think that can and imagine overshadow. Imagine the final is him versus Al Nasser. Inter Miami versus Al Nasser. Oh, my in, God. In, uh, in, uh, get the scripts ready. That will overshadow, <laughs> like, not making it to MLS. Hey, writer strike is over. Let's get this. Let's go. Um, guys, thank you so much for tuning in. Again, our Champions League coverage kicks off at 2 p.m. on Paramount Plus. Enjoy all the matches. We'll see you tomorrow. Have a great one. The champions. What would you say?